Hey friends, on Plain Spoken, I have needed to facilitate a number of conversations in order for the Methodist tribe family to um, to be educated. My my uh, whole reason I started this was because a lot of people just don't know what's going on. They don't know how to think through issues. And in the United Methodist Church, which I have now left, but I'm still trying to minister to, uh, there's been a lot of confusion about the African role, the role of African United Methodists. There are now more United Methodists in Africa than anywhere other any other continent on earth. African Methodism is growing, whereas it's shrinking in North America. And yet there's a lot of confusion about where Africans stand theologically, where it is that they stand uh, with respect to what direction they want the denomination to go. At this next general conference coming up next year, there is going to be a very strong push from the Western institution to get everyone to adopt regionalization, which would uh, effectively end the African voice being able to speak to the world context or the North American context. And so to, that, to understand what, is, what it is that Africans really think and feel, I've done a whole series on interviewing uh, Wesleyan leaders, United Methodist leaders in Africa— one of those that I've spoken with already is Simon Mafunda, who's the head of the Wesleyan Covenant Association for the African Continent. If you haven't seen that conversation, you need to go back and find it. I'll try and remember to link it in the video here, because Simon is an affable, uh, articulate, uh, winsome person. He, he helped me imagine how it is that the African church can be of benefit to the North American church, what it is that they have to offer I, in my ignorance, hadn't even imagined some of these things that that just uh, were very evident to him. And so uh, you, you need to go back and look at that, but more important than that, you need to stay on this one right now because Simon is going to update us on what's going on right now on the African continent. He has been personally um, uh, affronted, uh, targeted by the institution, but he's also in contact with a lot of people all over the African continent so that he can speak to what's actually happening there. So the Westerners, we've invited the Africans over to talk to us that, that we want to hear talk, and they say the things that, that we want them to say. Um, I shouldn't say we, because <laughs> I'm not with them, but um, uh, Simon is not one of these voices. Simon is one of these voices that they're trying to keep silent and present a, a false image of, of what Africans believe. So Simon is going to speak truth to us now, not just about where he is, but he is going to represent to the best of his ability uh, what his brothers and sisters over there think. So I've, I've done enough talking. I've, I've done enough setting up for this. I'm going to bring Simon on, on uh, screen now and welcome you. Hey, brother, how are you feeling today? Hi, Jeffrey. Uh, good talking to you. I'm feeling good. And how are you doing? Very good. Uh, uh, viewers will see that that we have a delay. Uh, unfortunately, one of the things that's that's normal, even in parts of America still today, is a, a low bandwidth. So we're we're going to have delays sometimes, and that's just kind of what comes with international talks at this point. But how about we begin, Simon, with uh, you kind of giving a broad sketch of what's going on in African United Methodism right now as everybody's preparing for general conference next year, and then uh, we'll hit on some particulars along the way. Thank you much. Uh, thank you very much, Jeffrey. Um, as of now, there's an uptick uh, in activity in relation to uh, the upcoming uh, general conference. I, I think people, especially delegates, they were looking at uh, their passports 
Uh, they valid uh, for the period of the general conference. Uh, they were also checking out for invitation letters uh, to enable them to apply for visas. And the general talk with the ordinary people. I think people have now been focusing on the differences that are now manifesting within Africa between our Episcopal leaders and some of the caucus groups that are in Africa. We have a few caucus groups in Africa, uh, one of the longest serving being Africa Initiative, which is a very powerful, a very strong uh, traditionalist caucus in Africa. And we've had other new ones coming up. One is called the Africa Voices of Unity. Mm -hmm. And uh, the very latest one launched in March this year. Is They call themselves United Methodist Africa Forum. Mm -hmm. uh, I personally call it a more uh, liberal-leaned caucus because of what they believe in, what they present. But what they say from their mouths and what they do are two different things. Mm -hmm. But what I want to talk about in terms of the general uh, uh, activity this manifestation of the differences between among our bishops we've got a group maybe the larger group of bishops who are kind of endorsing the regionalization plan mm -hmm. and a smaller group group of bishops who are saying no to the regionalization plan mm -hmm. but that dynamic within the college of african bishops does not necessarily reflect the dynamics within the ordinary members of the church, the ordinary pew members, or the, the delegates. It's totally different. So I tell you, you may remember the 2019 Special General Conference, when almost all the members of the Council of Bishops were on one side. But what happened at the end of the day, people thought, you know, would all go by what Council of Bishops really wanted us to do and what they believed in. Mm -hmm. But it was totally different. I can promise you that that is the same setup uh, according to my assessment in Africa. Okay. The, the differences within the colleges of bishops does not reflect what is on the ground. Africa is largely traditional. And I think our delegates are still almost intact in terms of what they would voice for, what they would stand up for, and what they would really fight for. So... It, it says, you know, the preparations for general conference in that kind of uh, 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 manner where the delegates are looking at something else. Even the ordinary people are starting to say, no, no, no. How does regionalization resolve the impasse at which the, 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 the denomination finds itself at? Mm -hmm. If they don't get that answer in regionalization, then obviously they are not going to support regionalization. This is what I seem to see. And uh, African Initiative we have been saying as long as we continue with this liberal trajectory as a denomination, uh, then obviously our natural home as Africans would be more conservative uh, and Bible-believing, more conservative, the orthodox interpretation and understanding of scripture. That side is where you would naturally find the Africans. So this is what is happening now within Africa. Although African dele delegates they don't seem to have that direct interaction that you would have maybe in America. I've been in America several times. Delegates there, they can easily come together, discuss issues, you know, we, without any problem. But Africans, one, uh, we've had challenges 
these debates are not openly being discussed in Africa. And in case, some cases where individuals have tried to bring them up, they've suffered either persecution, they've been suppressed, or they've been kicked around. And it, it, it hasn't been a, a smooth journey up to this point. So a lot of our people don't even know what is happening. Uh, they don't even know this disaffiliation that we are talking about. They don't understand regionalization the way others understand it. But we are happy that at least information dissemination it continues to, to increase, which is part of my main uh, uh, duty. My main job is to bring information to people, to call a spade a spade, mm -hmm. to, to really tell the people that we have a problem in the denomination. Mm -hmm. in, in some quarters, people are made to believe things are okay. You know, it's just a Western problem. You know, it's something happening in America. It doesn't really affect us here. But uh, my, my friend, I don't think that is true. This is a connected denomination. What hurts America hurts Africa. What hurts the Philippines hurts America, hurts the whole denomination, because we we are supposed to, to have the same belief system, believe in the same cardinal doctrines as a denomination. Mm -hmm. So generally, I would say this is the kind of uh, 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 things at play in Africa as we prepare for General Conference 2024. So we need to talk about two things you brought up in that 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 I hadn't planned on, and one being the caucus groups, because there are two caucus groups that you've already named that advocate positions very much alongside of the Western voices, Africa Voices of Unity and the United Methodist Africa Forum. The impression that I've gotten of both of these, I, I want to have you confirm or correct my impression. My understanding is that Africa Voices of Unity is largely just the personality of Ande Emanuel, whom I've uh, interviewed on this channel. He seems to be a voice that the institution has raised up in Nigeria to raise, uh, to, to start a, a movement against Bishop John Wesley, uh, Johanna. Um, he is, he has a track record there. He's known for dishonesty. He, he, uh, slandered, um, the, uh, Africa initiative whenever he interviewed with me and he made character assassination on Jerry Kula so I've been I've been inclined to think that Africa Voices of Unity is just really one voice of division, and then United Methodist Africa Forum. I can I'm mostly I, I think I interviewed two of the people on that. I think they're mostly from southeastern Africa, and that they are voices that have been trained and and raised up by uh, Western denominational forces as well. These are people who have been educated in America and and have a lot to gain from the long-term prospect of taking over the denomination after regionalization. Do you think that I've been too disingenuous in my interpretation of both of these organizations, or do you think that they are as corrupt and flawed as I think that they are? I, I, I think your, your comments are very fair, according to what I, I know and what I have assessed. Uh, to start with, Africa Voice of Unity started with members from the whole of generally dotted from the whole of Africa. But uh, at some point, I'm sure there were some differences such that uh, the Westerners, the guys in the West of Africa, West Africa Episcopal areas, or the West Africa Central Conference, they then remained in uh, within the Africa Voices of Unity. And uh, a few guys then forged ahead and started the United Methodist Africa Forum. There's a guy who is Zimbabwe, who is in Canada now, is now like the consultant of Africa Voices of Unity. And those were the guys who started the Africa Voices of Unity together. 
because of some whatever differences, I don't I don't go into those details. They then this guy is now within uh, uh, UMF uh, AFU, and uh, the other one Andy is now confined mainly to Nigeria, mm-hmm. and he has uh, had his uh, fair share of challenges. Then problems is really troublesome according to what we read and the feedback that we get. So uh, uh, if you look at both, the one thing in common, they are all aligned with the Western progressives or liberals, even the the, the people behind the Christmas covenant, mm-hmm. you know, and people sponsoring uh, some of the activities within Africa from the liberal side, uh, caucuses like uh, Reconciling Ministry uh, net, uh, Network, uh, those guys are the ones, you know, working uh, side by side with uh, those caucuses. So they are, that's why I call them liberal because those are fair, those are their activities. Some of them, they're directed, one of the directors is the pastor in charge for the uh, Moheto First United Methodist Church, which is like what, the first uh, reconciling congregation in, in Africa, which is found in Kenya. So, so, so all those have been, you know, working as a group uh, uh, along those lines. So I, I would say your, 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 your comment is quite fair to what I know and what I have assessed. They are all aligned and they will all endorse the regionalization plan. Although sometimes we challenge them to say, explain to us, you guys, you are saying homosexuality is incompatible with Christian teaching mm-hmm. and you declare that we will never support homosexuality and all that. Mm-hmm. Then on the other side, you then say, no, no, regionalization, allow each religion to do ministry, you know, according to its context. Then on this human sexuality issue, you then allow each religion to do whatever it pleases, which also includes changing the definition of marriage. Uh-huh. Don't you think this will bring confusion to the denomination? Because um, we are now working on two different standards uh-huh. or multi-standards within the same denomination. We hardly get good answers on that. And um, yeah. This is why we always have a problem with with, uh, with regionalization. Yes. But those two caucuses, they support regionalization, and Africa Initiative does not support regionalization. Yes. So yeah, what's hard for Western people who look at that situation is to to see all these caucus groups saying we will never accept homosexuality, and so we look at them and go, they're all conservative. It, 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 but what you and uh, perhaps Jerry Kula or Bishop John, what, let's just keep it on you. What you would say is they are saying one thing, but then all of the things that they advocate actually benefit those who want to advocate for sexual immorality. And so that is what's hard for Westerners to understand. We should understand it because we're very familiar with people saying one thing and actually believing another. But for some reason, we think Africans don't have the capacity for such duplicity. I, I don't know why we imagine that. So um, the other thing that you hit on, and I need you to to talk about it in under four minutes, is um, the persecution that comes on people who try to spread information. You're not the only one trying to do that. There have been several people who've tried to spread information about what's actually going on in America, what's actually going on in the denomination, and then bishops and other uh, United Methodist forces in Africa will target individuals for, you use the word persecution. I want you to talk about the specific things that have happened to individuals that have tried to spread information there. Uh, th- thank you very much. Let me start by by Africa Initiative and WCA. Mm-hmm. Uh, in September 2022, uh, the African bishops, a bunch of them, they met at Africa University 
And uh, their, their release, their, their main statement was to ban the activities of Africa Initiative and uh, WCA in Africa. Mm -hmm. They used very combative language there that we will not tolerate any activity of Africa Initiative and uh, WCA because they are trying to destroy the church, mm -hmm. right? Then if you then go back a little bit, a friend uh, in East Angola, for example, because his name was a signet, well, he, was, he, he, he appended his name on a press release that was done by African Initiative, uh, castigating some of the things that were happening in the denom denomination, like, uh, for example, when, when uh, an open gay bishop was elected uh, in, uh, in America and consecrated, Mm -hmm. African Initiative made, made a, a, a press statement castigating that. Mm -hmm. And because his name was there, the bishop unilaterally excommunicated that pastor. He was uh, uh, removed from uh, the college where he was uh, uh, the chaplain, I think, and he was excommunicated from the denomination. He, he was told, you are no longer a, a United Methodist pastor. Mm -hmm. You know, just a letter from the bishop. So I'm saying, where are we getting this? How do we do these things? Mm -hmm. There's no hearing. There's no even chance for this poor guy to defend himself. Mm -hmm. Things like that. Mm -hmm. So so if you go to areas like uh, the Democratic Republic of Congo, I know several pastors who were kicked out of the system because uh, they are accused of bending on destroying the United Methodist Church because they've got opinions about disaffiliation because they were supporting the protocol then. Mm -hmm. And they were accused of trying to destroy the church. So, so these are the, 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 the kind of attitudes and behaviors that is uh, kind of stifled the information dissemination, even dissemination in Africa, even to enable our people to rise and stand on their own. They are now scared because this has happened to people. Mm -hmm. I have gone through that kind of uh, stuff where you wonder where is this coming from? Mm -hmm. And you are told because of your alignment with these people, mm -hmm. we have lost confidence in you. And you are no longer representing the interests of Africa Central Conference. Then you wonder what's, what's happening. Because we are denying the reality that we have a challenge in the denomination. Mm -hmm. We are denying the reality that almost every individual has got a certain opinion about what is happening. And it's not fair to punish anyone who differs from you because of this giant thing which is happening in the denomination. We are bound to have our opinions. We have the freedom to also express what we think and what we want. Because at the end of the day, this impacts on the integrity of my faith. Mm -hmm. That's why I must stand up and raise my voice and at least voice what I believe and what I think. Mm -hmm. And that does not deserve persecution. That, 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 that's, that's what I would say for now. Yes. Thank you, Jeff. Yes, yes, of course. Well, and it's worth remembering that uh, uh, the persecution has been promised that, that when we follow Christ that we will be persecuted, but the 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 words of Jesus indicate that it's the world it's the forces of this world that were per, will persecute us not the church and so whenever the church is persecuting people like that or church leaders are then that indicates that the world has gotten into the church too much and so uh, we're gonna look at a, a a video now from uh, just less than a month ago Adam Hamilton hosted a forum at his church where there were uh, Bishop Tom Berlin. The bishop, I think Tracy Malone is her name in Eastern Ohio, but then uh, Bishop Mande Muyombo was there. He is the bishop of the North Katanga 
annual conference in the Democratic Republic of Congo, and he um, is one of the voices that Westerners like very much. He um, is not liked. I, I'm on a, a, a chat for uh, the African continent where there are a number of people from the DRC there. They don't like him very much. He's not there very much. He actually lives in Georgia here in the United States, is my understanding. And he, he travels over the United States and says the things that, that the rich elite people want to hear. I, I've, I've seen him in a number of interviews misconstrue the reality of what's going on in, in Africa. I found him a, a very problematic voice. I'm not going to put you in a position yet of, of responding to any of that. But was there anything else that you wanted to say before we looked at this clip where Bishop uh, Monday speaks? I, I think let's go to that, to that video, then maybe I can then uh, uh, bring uh, some points together when I listen to that. Very good. Okay, here we go. My last word. I'm calling upon those who are harming our people using money to stop. Please stop. And you know who they are. They've been doing this for a long time. It is also a sin. You know, if you bribe people, you are not within the book of discipline. Why are you so selective about the book of discipline? You only stick on one issue. And the other thing I want to say is this. Why is, I mean, I'm sorry, I have to say this. Why is the WCA United Methodist Organization? Because it is not. Why are people are writing for the good news calmless themselves United Methodist clergy? They have to surrender their credentials because they have ceased to be UMC. You know, sometimes I think in the U.S. people are too nice. Maybe that's, this is who we are as United Methodists. Because I don't understand somebody who is prophesying about the collapse of the UMC but he signs at the end, United Methodist Clergy. You are not. Surrender your credentials. Leave us with our sins. The closing thing that he said for anyone who didn't hear it in his accent is leave us in our sins or leave us with our sins. Uh, we, we can come back to that in a minute. I want to start in a point of agreement with Bishop Muyombo. I agree with him entirely that Americans are too nice. I think that's why the denomination finds itself where it is. I think whenever sin started claiming ground in the United Methodist Church, conservative traditionalists who knew better were too nice, and they, they were silent when they should have spoken. But I disagree uh, with him about who is being too nice now, or, uh, well, I disagree with the, just about everything else he said there. So I assume that you do as well. What are important things for my audience to know about what Bishop Mande has said here. Uh, th th thank you, Jeffrey. Uh, yeah, it, it's, uh, when I listened to, to, to that uh, conversation, um, I listened uh, to the whole, uh, the full version of that uh, conversation, mm -hmm. uh, the family talk, and largely it was uh, like, uh, they're campaigning for the, the regionalization plan. Mm -hmm. The removal of uh, the harm, the so said harmful language from the book of discipline in the United Methodist Church, and, and all those things to allow those, uh, you know, by conscience, 
who may not want to preside over these gay marriages, they should not do it. Those who want to do it, but people are free to do that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was largely what was happening here. But maybe zeroing in on uh, the comments, uh, the remarks from uh, my, my good bishop, uh, Bishop Mwombo. Uh, let me start by the two nice uh, remark from the African perspective. Mm -hmm. uh, this is the kind of attitude that we are fighting against. Because to me, when he says maybe people in America are too nice, mm -hmm. he's trying to tell you that at home we don't do this. We kick people out. Mm. Mm. We, yes, we at home we don't wait for all this nonsense that you are doing. We kick them out. We are not as nice as you are. Mm -hmm. People like uh, the you, you mentioned. Let's mention good news. Was he picked up good news? Mm -hmm. I know good news. We got Rob Rob Renfro. We got Tom Tom Lambert there. People like them. If it was in Africa, we we could we should have kicked them out a long back. I mean, a long time ago. Mm -hmm. And I, I I think that's that's the wrong attitude, and it brings some real strife between us as lay people and our bishops and maybe even other clergy people. So so uh, that's how I would interpret the two nice uh, remarks that he made there. Mm -hmm. Then, of course, he, he talks about uh, WCA, good news, you are, you are no longer United Methodist Church. Oh, my goodness. I am a WCA member. Mm -hmm. I am still a United Methodist member until I am not. Mm -hmm. Why we have been hanging in? Because we, we believed we could resolve these things together. Mm -hmm. That's why there was the idea of the protocol. There were all these ideas, even the Christmas covenant, the regionalization plan. All these efforts were meant to try and resolve the impasse at which we found ourselves in. That's why we tried to hang, hang in there, because we had some hope that something could be could be fixed. Mm -hmm. So so to then say you are no longer uh, uh, United Methodist Church because you are WCA, that, that's totally wrong. Mm -hmm. We have our opinions, we have our beliefs, we have our thinking, and we are traditionally or more linked on the conservative side. And that's not a sin to believe in that manner. Mm -hmm. But because we had the hope that things could be resolved. So, so, so I think it is totally wrong to simply say people live, uh, 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 you are no longer this. And going, going back to the other issue that, that, that he mentioned about uh, bribes, I think that's a very serious uh, allegation. Oh, yes. We have suffered. We have already suffered that pain as Africans, especially at the 2019 General Conference. I, I don't want to be reminded of those statements. We have not received the bribes. We think... For ourselves, we know what we want as Africans. We don't need Americans to tell us what to do. Mm -hmm. We don't need Americans to tell us to accept homosexuality. We are Africans. We have a very strong culture that informs some of the things that we do. Mm -hmm. We believe in the auto orthodoxy of scripture. That's what. That's who we are. And we want to stand up to defend that. And we don't need any bribe to be able to do that. We don't need any bribe to bring out our Africanness. Mm -hmm. So, so, so I, I feel hurt to hear our, our fellow Africans uh, raising those allegations. In fact, we actually believe that uh, we also have serious complaints about some of the liberal, some of the more progressive people. I, I, I mentioned it to some other people when we were preparing you know, uh, for the General Conference 2019. A lot of people came from general agencies telling our people here that uh, if you don't support the One Church Plan, that's the end of funding for you. 
That's end of financial support for you. It is not some kind of uh, manipulation and negative influence on our people. Mm. But we, we never complain. So I, 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 I find it very difficult to, 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 to stomach, especially when I've heard other people say that, you know, these conservatives, they are, they are neo-colonialists. Uh, I find it very, very, very funny because when, when, when liberals have partnerships in Africa or, or friends in Africa, those are called partnerships. And when conservatives do the same in Africa, it's called colonialism. Right. How, how does that work out? Mm -hmm. How does that work out? So, so really, let me finish off with the final uh, 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 frightening statement coming from a bishop. Leave us with our sins. Mm -hmm. I, I, my, my heart is still beating. How could a whole bishop say that? How could anyone leave anyone in their sins? The whole idea is for people to repent of their sins mm -hmm. and be saved. That, that's what we should be talking about. Whether we want to justify whether this is a sin or not, but overally, Jesus came to save the world from these sins. Mm -hmm. So we would never leave you with your sins, bishop. Mm -hmm. We we'll do all efforts to help you come out of your sins. That's all I can say for now. Well, and it's indicative, it's 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 really ominous, really, that Bishop Muyombo has been appointed as the head of the connectional table next, which has huge authority in the denomination. So lest one think that he's just one voice, his voice is being amplified more and more, and whenever a voice is advocating to make room for sin, that's when a church has stopped being the church. And so that's why... Uh, people outside of the United Methodist Church now will use the phrase apostate to talk about the United Methodist Church because it has stopped taking a stance against sin that is really required in order to be the Church of Jesus Christ. Uh, going backwards from what you talked about just now, I recently was able to do an interview with Rob Renfro, who's the head of Good News, and has suffered many slanders, uh, not just by Bishop Muyombo, but by <laughs> thousands of people around the United Methodist Connection. And he does a very good job of answering this accusation of attempting to bribe delegates that it comes alongside of yours uh, very much, but he also talked about the mechanics of how that worked and actually how it's a hateful thing to leave Africans without any uh, equipment to navigate all the affairs of coming to General Conference in North America and how hateful a thing it has been for the liberal United Methodist Church to bully them in the way that it does, to keep them ignorant as much as they can, and to exclude their voice as much as they can uh, in previous years, and then trying to formalize that now in the regionalization plan. All of that is, is very, I, I would say, damnable. And I, I think that's a strong word, yes, but the way that we treat the less privileged is an indication of uh, our faith. And whenever we take advantage of the fact that General Conference is always in North America, it's always very inconvenient for people to get here. Um, there are so many different obstacles that African delegates need to conquer just to get over here. And then the fact that most of them have not been a uh, uh, briefed on what is going to be brought to the floor at General Conference. They don't know, uh, always understand all the parliamentary difficult language there. Uh, I can't imagine how difficult it would be as an African United Methodist delegate. And so I know that the Africa Initiative was founded in order to help delegates to be more informed and to vote 
what they believe, but also Good News has started a good partnership with them. Um, and then the WCA is a United Methodist organization. They are an advocacy group within the United Methodist Church uh, seeking to keep them from being coercive and immoral in the power that they have over local churches. They're trying to advocate for anyone who wants to leave to be able to leave, and that is a good thing. Uh, the, uh, the, if, if you exclude voices like that, then you pretty much force everyone to stay. And Bishop Muyombo here said, if anyone is thinking that the United Methodist Church is going down the wrong path and is going to destroy itself, and they're saying that out loud, then we just need to kick them out. And that is uh, the opposite of what they need to do. Ever since the United Methodist Church was formed 50-some years ago, it has been in decline in America every single year, which indicates that the American leadership does not know what it's doing. But if you cannot tell them that, then they cannot repent or adjust course. And what they're saying is, don't tell us what we don't want to hear or else we're going to kick you out. And so they can't do that in America. What they can do is they can lift up African voices— that uh, say the right thing for fear of losing money or being kicked out, and then use those African voices to justify what they want to do here. So hopefully what anyone who watches this understands is, no, we are dealing with many puppets, and you and many others in Africa are doing your best to organize against them and to stand for truth this next year at General Conference. So let's talk about the letters that uh, have to be sent to delegates in Africa in order for them to attend General Conference next year. A lot of Americans do not know that people cannot just travel over here whenever they want. They need a formal letter from an organization soliciting their presence for a very short, confined time for a very specific reason. Once they receive those letters, they have to make uh, an appointment at the, the American consulate to interview to get the American visa for uh, such an appointment, and it's only then that they can travel over there. There are many complications with this, and we're on a timeline now because is it April of next year that General Conference is meeting? Yes. Okay, Go so ahead. just a few months away, and it's been my understanding, and I've publicly reported on this, that the Commission on General Conference has not sent out uh, invitation letters until very recently, and there's real question about if that's enough time for delegates from Africa to even get over there. So I, I think I've set that up how I want to. Could you tell us more about that? Uh, th thank you much, uh, very much, uh, Jeffrey. Mm -hmm. uh, indeed, the issue of uh, invitation letters, uh, it's a big uh, matter of concern uh, with, uh, with Africans and other central conferences, but I want to speak mainly about Africa. And sadly, we, we have never had um, a piece of legislation or a provision in our system that would allow uh, for those delegates who fail to travel to America for general conference because they have been denied visas and find a way of them to participate. Sadly, if you don't get a visa, that's it. Uh, you try the, the, then the alternative uh, delegate tries if they don't get a visa, tough luck. Mm -hmm. And uh, on average, every quadrennium, Africa, we suffer a loss of delegates to the tune of about 10% of our delegates don't get visas, they are denied. But general conference goes on uh, like, yeah, it's business as usual. Mm -hmm. 
And I think that's a, another issue of justice and unfairness. Mm -hmm. It does not allow, because uh, uh, it's not a thing of my own making that I could not get a visa. But business goes on and tough luck, you know, you are short, you know, you are not represented fully, tough luck, business goes on. Mm -hmm. So this is this is where we are almost heading again as we go into this uh, general conference. Mm -hmm. Why? Because the invitation letters were delayed, badly, badly delayed. But we thank, we thank the business office of general conference, at least they've now released uh, uh, invitation letters to many annual conferences in Africa. I, I was uh, taking a, a, a quick survey to see how many countries have received quite a good number more. I think about three quarters of the conferences in Africa have now received their, their invitation letters. But here is uh, where the problems are. We have uh, Nigeria, for example. I spoke to them on Saturday, which uh, just a couple of days ago. They have not received, not yet received their invitation letters. We have our friends in the DRC Congo, uh, where the biggest contingent of our delegates come from. They have not yet received invitation letters uh, for to enable them to apply for visas. And this is where the complication comes in. Places like Nigeria and Congo, the waiting period for a visa appointment was you make the application, then they give you an appointment date to go for your interview. That waiting period is now very long. For example, uh, delegates from the North Katanga area of the DRC, they normally use Zambia because Zambia uh, consular office is like a regional office. So the Congolese, even Zimbabweans, neighboring countries can go there to have their interviews for visas. I have a friend from uh, uh, DRC, not a delegate. He wanted, he wants to travel to America. He, he applied for a visa appointment almost four weeks ago. He got a date. The date he got, I think it's about 10 April 2024. Mm. That's when he's going to go for his interview for the visa. This means if anyone is going to be applying now at the Zambia consular office, it means they won't get any date before 10 April. It means it's any date after 10 April, unless you are lucky to find a gap where some applicants cancel their appointment. Then there's a small window for one, applic one applicant. You may be lucky that way. Mm -hmm. So our fear is that all the delegates from those areas are likely to get interview dates, dates which are far beyond the general conference uh, dates. Mm -hmm. And that's going to be disastrous. Mm -hmm. In Congo, we are talking about uh, more than 130 delegates coming from Congo. Mm. And those who are affected by the lengthy waiting periods, obviously, they are in trouble. This is same applies to Nigeria. I've got a friend that worked with, uh, he's a global mission fellow within the United Methodist Church. He tried, he had an uh, interview to attend in, in the States. So he tried to apply for a visa in Nigeria. He couldn't get favorable dates. He was supposed to go at the end of this of this year. And he tried to apply in Zambia. And the dates he got were 24, I think 24 April, 2024, which means he cannot get favorable dates in Nigeria. And Nigeria and Congo, they are already affected by the waiting periods for the interview dates. Then, if we are lucky, then to get like uh, maybe say much, let's say a miracle happens, we get uh, 
interview dates in March or early April. Mm -hmm. If you get a visa then, then that's fine, fine and good, you will travel. But in most cases, some of the first applicants may be denied. And why we needed invitations early is to allow the second applicants to take that chance so that if the first applicant is denied, mm -hmm. then the alternate delegates also apply so that yes. we maximize the number of delegates who may get visas to be able to, to travel and attend this important general conference. Mm -hmm. But if you get your interview around 10 April, for example, when you apply in November 2023 and you go for interview in, in April, so, so if you don't get the visa, you are done. All the alternatives, they cannot go. We would say, okay, let all the alternatives, everyone apply at the same time. But also that has uh, monetary implications. Everyone has to raise $160, United States dollars, as the visa fee to be able to pay that. Is General Conference prepared to give them those monies just to maximize their chances of getting a maximum number of delegates to travel for this General Conference? Mm -hmm. So you see, this is the problem that we are having. And we've been making a lot of noise about this even within the standing committee on central conference matters. We raise those issues to say, guys, as early as February, we are already already late for some of the Episcopal areas. In, in cases of uh, like Zimbabwe, Kenya and others, fair, so I think waiting period is about three to four months, which is still a bit fair at the moment. Mm -hmm. But once the first delegate is denied, the second delegate may not get an appointment in time for general conference. So those are the complications that we are going to face. We hear stories uh, being told in Congo that, you know, the bishops promised that, you know, we are going to make um, special arrangement with the American embassy. All I can say is uh, good luck to them. I've never heard of uh, the American embassies making special arrangements. They are very strict about applying for visas. You have to go in the queue, you have to follow the system. But I, all I can say is good luck to them. Then on top of that, you've got other complications. I want to use this as an example because I, I sought permission from the affected person. In North Katanga, uh, there is an issue where one delegate, his name went missing from the original list. And a new list was produced in June 2023. Yet there were no elections done. There, uh, 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 this guy had not resigned or, or, or moved away from the United Methodist Church. He is still a member. He has not yet any 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 charges against him or gone before a tribunal for any 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 accusation or anything mm -hmm. his name just went missing so he raised the issue and up to now it is it has not been resolved his name is uh ben ilunga banza mm -hmm. his name is not there on the new list but on the original list it was there and we are told this there are some officials tampering with those names either maybe he's too much of the disaffiliation thing and the separation thing was is a very strong advocate for disaffiliation or, or separation. Mm. And because of that, people are being pulled out of the list of uh, our delegates. So we are still trying to do a survey to see whether we have more people like that. He has taken this issue up and wrote directly to Sarah Hotchkiss, the, 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 the general conference business manager, mm -hmm. and challenged them that, where is my name? This is the original list. My name is your number 11. Where is it gone? This is the new list. My name is missing. Mm -hmm. So he was. She then responded and asked him to send her uh, his uh, uh, passport copy and things like that. I don't know whether they have now sent him. As of yesterday, they have not still sent him an invitation letter. And a story that I am still to confirm 
is that the allegations about him not being a United Methodist Church member is that he was his picture was found on Facebook when he was wearing this Global Methodist Church T-shirt. Okay. And that was enough. That was enough to accuse him that he's no longer a UMC member. I've got so many T-shirts that I use from other churches and denominations. I've got Anglican T-shirts, Roman Catholic. I wear them anytime I want. Would you really say Mafunda is no longer UMC because he was wearing an Anglican T-shirt mm. or, or, or a Seventh-day Adventist T-shirt? I'm still to confirm that story. But it worries us that we know that guy very well. We have worked with him. He has not committed any offense. He has not been brought before uh, the church uh, trial system for any offense. And all of a sudden, a duly elected delegate, his name is missing on the on the list. So we are worried that there could be more like that, but we are still to confirm. But I just thought I would just share that as an example of some of the problems that we get here. But really, I wish I wish we had succeeded to have this 2024 general conference in Philippines where it was supposed to go, so that our, our American friends can also feel what it is to have to apply for visas, mm-hmm. to have to make sure that you have a transport, you have a passport, to have to, 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 to be able to organize yourself to travel those long distances. Mm-hmm. Maybe to bring some kind of understanding and see the justice or injustices that are being perpetrated on some of us because we have to, to travel to America to attend general conference. Yes. So that's what I would say for now, at least on the invitation letters. They yes. are, for some areas, they are very late and we are heading for disaster. Well, as a global Methodist clergy, which I now am, I, I'll just take a moment to to brag a little bit about the global Methodist church because their first general conference ever, their convening conference next year, is going to be held outside of the contiguous United States of America. It's going to be in Costa Rica, where it's much easier for international delegates to travel. The The Global Methodist leadership has said that they fully anticipate that very soon African uh, churches and annual conferences will outnumber American churches and annual conferences, and the Global Methodist Church will be under the leadership of African voices and Filipino voices, and that that we will not be centered around white, rich, privileged American voices the way that the United Methodist Church is. So the United Methodist Church talks a big game about being a global denomination and valuing the voices of people outside of America. Meanwhile, it makes it very difficult for non-Americans to attend, and it promotes legislation that that silences voices outside of America. And so I think in many cases, deeds speak louder than words, and the United Methodist Church is overtly exposed for anyone who wants to uh, look at the organization with with clear eyes. Um, you haven't spoken selfishly in the midst of, of any of this. We've been speaking about other people, other other issues outside of you in particular, but I, I wanted to, to close the interview by asking you to talk about yourself, and I want to frame it by... Um, you've been a voice in leadership. You're a layperson. You're not clergy. You're very committed to the United Methodist Church, have been for a long time, and for that reason, you've been put on the delegation from your area. Um, you've served faithfully, and you've been appointed to other committees for the denomination where you've served faithfully. Recently, uh, well, at the last quadrennium, and I think before, you can correct me on this, you were put on the Standing Committee for Central Conference Matters, which is a long title and sounds very boring, but that committee has exercised great uh, influence over what comes to the floor at General Conference. 
it's directly responsible for gutting the traditional plan so that it was not as effective as it should have been. We don't have any access to the records of how that happened or why that happened. That was taken to a special select committee within the larger committee. That committee is also responsible for the language that has been used by Bishop Bickerton to justify churches outside of the U.S. not being able to use paragraph 2553. That committee has been at the center of a lot of dysfunction in the United Methodist Church. Your voice was one of the only voices representing international delegates, especially African delegates, um, soberly, honestly. And then my understanding is because of your affiliation with the WCA and your outspokenness for the cause of average uh, Africans, that you were summarily dismissed from that uh, committee, even though the general conference put in writing that you were on that committee. So tell me, have I have I spoken wrongly about any of that, and what other texture would you add to that? Uh, thank you, Jeffrey. Uh, what you just said is correct. I have been a member of the Standing Committee on Central Conference Matters since 2016. I was nominated by the Council of Bishops and uh, went through a ratification vote by the General Conference in session in 2016. So summarily, I was elected by general conference. That's what it means. That's my understanding. Mm -hmm. And from nowhere, <clears throat> I received a letter on the 19th of August, just a few hours before we started one of the virtual standing committee meetings, where we needed to further discuss the regionalization plan, because there was this discussion that we need to bring the connection or table petition uh, regionalization of America and uh, the Christmas covenant to bring them together and form like a hybrid petition. That, that was kind of debate. Mm -hmm. So we had met in Germany then and that thing could not happen. Then we met virtually. Uh, we, we, it could not happen. Then we were supposed to meet on the 19th of August to see if we could pass that in time for the deadline of submission of our petitions, which was 6 September the following month. So, so I, I did not get uh, uh, Zoom credentials. So as I was following up on the Zoom credentials, uh, the secretary tells me that, no, no, the bishops, Africa Center of Bishops should have communicated with you. So, you know, just to fast forward, I eventually received an email that morning from uh, the president of Africa Center of Conference College of Bishops that they had unanimously voted to remove my membership from the Standing Committee of Central Conference Matters mm. uh, because I was no longer representing the interests of Africa Central Conference, whatever that means. Mm -hmm. And they, they then quoted uh, the third paragraph of an article that was done by Jay Terrell, the former president of WCA, as he was bidding farewell to the Global Council family and the Global uh, Westland uh, the Westland Covenant family. Mm -hmm. He's in this one line, he says, We are happy that in Africa we have this guy, Simon Mafunda, is doing a, a good job in making the people know of what is coming next. So, according to the bishop, that was the reference that they made that this shows us that you your interests no longer represent the interests of Africa Central Conference. That was it. I was removed that way. So I challenged them immediately. I responded and uh, challenged that decision and declared that I needed justice and fairness. 
Why didn't you sit me down and we talk about this thing? Or, or this is wrong. This is unconstitutional and procedural. You and you don't have the mandate to. You are a lower body. You can't pull me out of a, a higher body that put me in there. Mm-hmm. What is the duty of? Uh, I mean, I mean, the College of Bishops does it, it have power at the same level as the Council or the General Conference? Mm-hmm. So, so I gave them those questions. They never responded. So I, I then wrote to the recently to the president of the Council of Bishops because he was CC'd in that uh, communication and asked that uh, he may look into this mm-hmm. and help me uh, uh, get justice and fairness on this issue. Mm-hmm. So for the benefit of giving him the chance to explore and maybe respond to me and give it justice, I think I'll end there uh, because I've written to him and he is still to respond, uh, Bishop uh, Tom Bickerton, uh, uh, was uh, I had given the college enough time to respond to my, 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 my email. They did not respond. So I then told them that this is what I'm doing. And I also quoted Bishop Wonderbula. So for this, for, for respect's sake and giving Tom, Bishop Tom Bickerton a chance to look at my issue, I just narrated what happened, which I strongly believe is wrong. And uh, I'm being victimized. And it's not fair. It's an issue of justice and fairness. Mm-hmm. And I, I really demand justice on that issue. Thank you, Jeff. Well, and to people on the outside who who look at these things and as as we arrange all these pieces and see the different players like you just cited Bishop Wandabula he's the bishop of uh Kenya and a few other areas where more than half of the Kenyan churches just left because his leadership was inept uh Bishop Wandabula has blessed two reconciling ministries churches in his annual conference even though that is not legal according to the Book of Discipline. Not that Americans care, but even this African bishop doesn't even care. So it's clear that he's in the pocket of Western forces. It's clear that Bishop Mande Muyombo is in the pocket of Western forces. I'm saying these things. You're not saying these things. Um, but but what, what is clear now, what seems very clear to me, is that um, institutional leaders are not interested in integrity. Um, if they were, they would not be threatened by the Wesleyan Covenant Association. The Wesleyan Covenant Association, as I said before, is aimed only at helping the United Methodist Church have integrity and not withhold people against their will. Whenever they say that you and Good News and WCA are working against their purposes, that shows that they're not interested in having integrity. They're interested in holding on to all their stuff. And so that is not the, uh, that is not the authentic Church of Jesus Christ. That is a worldly institution. Um, I don't usually beat up on the WCA this much. Uh, you've brought it out of me. Just the injustice of your situation uh, moves me. Anyone who's watching this, you know, people who lean right are, are automatically going to sympathize with us. But I want to challenge people on the left who have watched this. How do you justify the treatment, not just of Simon Mafunda, but of Benelunga Banza? of the delegates that are being excluded from the conversation, of the money that's being threatened, of the punishment and persecution that's being threatened. All of this is reprehensible. I, I hope that there is significant engagement with this and that, that people do feel moved to, to do something, because if, they, if the left wins next year, but it's on these terms, then they have to live with a dirty, sinful victory. And so people like uh, Lonnie Brooks, who, who does want for uh, the sexual ethics of the United Methodist Church to change, 
He does he does lean left with that stuff. He has been very publicly clear. He doesn't want to do it in a corrupt way that excludes voices. He wants to do it out in the open, honestly and with integrity, and that is that is what everybody should be artic- uh, advocating for. But anyone who's okay with your voice being excluded, with the African voice in general being excluded or constrained, that's reprehensible and and should not be allowed. So you and I talked about limiting this to an hour. Uh, you you have other things that you need to go do. Before we conclude this, I would like to pray for you. Would that be okay with you? That's okay. Let me just comment a little bit okay, on sure. uh, the issue of uh, East Africa Episcopal Area Leader, Bishop Wanda Okay. Uh, uh, surely he did uh, dedicate so far as one church, uh, which became a full reconciling con- congregation. He dedicated that church. We have the videos. We have it everywhere. It's on YouTube everywhere. But this is against the, the Judicial Council ruling, I think 841 or 847, that bans the United Methodist Church designating any of its congregations, reconciling con- congregations. Mm-hmm. That Judicial Council ruling is there. I think there are two decisions that were made by the Judicial Council. Mm-hmm. So when a whole bishop comes down and breaks that, mm-hmm. obviously we, 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 we then wonder what is happening. This is what really makes us angry and makes us uh, inquisitive. And then they turn around and tell you that you are no longer representing the interests of Africa Central Conference. Uh-huh. How, do that add, how does that add up? That is my question. Uh-huh. Well, there are a lot of questionable things that uh, some, of, so, some of our bishops are doing. Then it ends up like it's, it's rules for them and not for us. Uh-huh. Or do as we say and not as we do. Uh-huh. And, and we wouldn't like that kind of church. We want our Episcopal leaders to lead by example, to protect our doctrines, yes. to supervise all these things and be good examples so that we can, they should draw the line and we should also walk the talk as they walk the talk. This is what we expect. So thank you very much, uh, Jeffrey. I will behave that you, 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 you pray. You pray for me. I also pray for you, if not now, but in my private time, I pray for your ministry. That you continue to just say it as it. I like the, the title of your of your program, plain spoken, mm-hmm. and let's speak it plainly. Yes. Thank you, my brother. Yes, audience. I, I want you to pray for Simon with me, Father. We ask your blessing on Simon. He has dealt with much adversity. He is surely going to uh, receive a lot of uh, negative feedback from conference forces for d- saying these things publicly. But Lord, we know that your Son Jesus Christ is not just the way, but the truth and the life. And so the truth needs to be spoken. And as as I hear Simon speak it, yes, he is frustrated. Yes, he is inquisitive, but he is also speaking the truth in love. He loves the United Methodist Church. He loves his brethren on the African continent and abroad, and he wants the United Methodist Church to behave with integrity. I believe that's what everybody wants deep down. So if we can get over our our factionalism, our partisanship, and just advocate for fairness and integrity, I believe that General Conference could be a good and holy thing next year. We pray that the dark forces that have compromised the United Methodist Church would be bound. We renounce and rebuke them, and we pray for an immediate repentance on those who have chosen to serve those powers, that there might be a time of light and truth next year as this denomination makes up its mind about who and what it wants to be. Father, equip Simon for what lays ahead. It requires strength and integrity and perseverance. 
he surely gets very fed up with this and and wonders from time to time if he is doing what he wants to do. And so, Lord, just grant him the assurance that he is pleasing you, even when he's getting removed from committees, even when uh, he, his voice is being silenced, and help him to trust that that as long as he serves you with integrity, that you are pleased, and, and that's all that matters. Father, I thank you for the encouragement I get for watching him. I, I'm very privileged. <laughs> I get to just get on here on the internet and say whatever I think. Um, Simon is is one of these laborers really working and sweating and bleeding for you. So I thank you for him and for others on the African continent who are going to keep America honest even when we don't want to be. Lord bless his ministry. We ask these things in Jesus' holy name. Amen. All right, friends, uh, I'm going to put contact information for Simon or whatever he wants to promote. We're going to put it in the show notes, so make sure to check out the show notes. Um, Feel free, uh, write to your bishop if you are bothered by this. Let them know you're bothered by this stuff. Send this video to other people who need to know what's going on, especially general conference delegates. There are people that are just ignorant about this. They just have no idea. They need to know um, this is this is of utmost importance if you're a United Methodist and you want to believe in, in your church going forward. This has to be dealt with immediately. So I appreciate every like. I appreciate every comment. You can email me at plainspokenpod at gmail.com. If you think I'm playing a helpful role in, in this whole mix of helping people serve Jesus with integrity, you can go over to plainspoken.locals.com. That's where you can support my work so I can do more of this. Uh, be in prayer for Simon and for the African delegation. It sounds like there's a long road ahead, and um, and be prayerful, people. That's what God deserves, and that's what Simon and his brethren deserve. So appreciate all the love and attention that you've given this, and I look forward to seeing what comes of it. We'll see you friends later. Bye-bye. <laughs>